Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 415 for Tuesday, the 1st of September, 2015. It's so nice to have you here. Uh, thanks for being with us. My name is Robbie Ferguson, and tonight, uh, Sasha and I are here in the studio, and we are going to have some fun. We're going to be doing something really neat. Uh, we're going to be taking an old laptop hard drive out of the laptop and turn it into an external hard drive so that we can not only obtain the old files from the old laptop, but also use it, trade it in for an external hard drive, turn it into something that will give you some added space for backups and things like that. Over to the newsroom, Sasha, what's coming up? Hi, Ravi, here's what's coming up in the Category5.tv newsroom. Boeing has successfully shot a drone out of the sky using a high-powered laser. Facebook has announced measures to tackle video piracy on its website. Cisco has announced it has completed the acquisition of OpenDNS, a privately held company that provides advanced threat protection. And a dark market website that relies on the Tor privacy network to keep its operators anonymous is temporarily shutting down amid concerns attackers are exploiting a newly reported weakness that can identify server locations. And finally, a French woman has won a disability grant after telling a court she suffers from an allergy to electromagnetic radiation from gadgets. Stick around, the full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Starring Sasha Dermatis. Hillary Rumble. Krista Wells. Eric Kidd. And your host, Robbie Ferguson. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson. Sasha Dermatis is here, too. Hey, Hello. And I have to say, it's Tuesday, September 1st, and from what I hear, it's the birthday of one very special sparkly balls. So... (laughs) Ah, you're going to make me laugh every time you say the name, (laughs) but hey, happy birthday, buddy. Yeah, so super awesome. And very importantly, Category 5.TV is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.TV slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Cat5.TV slash IAIB. So there you go. Very important news. How have you been? I've been really, really well. I've been. You're kind of way over there in the blue room, so I'll let you kind of... I've, I've been great. Good. I've been, uh, well, today we started working a little bit more on Try It, Buy It. And yes, tell us a little bit about that. What's uh, what's happening there? So, some new, can I, can I, let, can, let I, let every, can I let everybody in info? on the secret? Yeah, sure, why not? Okay, might as well. Okay, so there are these earbud headphones that are wireless and they connect your phone or any sort of Bluetooth wireless device. Yeah. So I got to go for a jog with them, try them out a little bit. Nice. Love them. They're super comfortable. I can't 
hear a thing when they're in. Well, I, I can hear the music on my phone. <laughs> yes. They're super great. I can't hear a thing. Cool. <laughs> can't hear anybody talking to me. So, well, love pretty them. Great. Cool. Uh, well, we're, we're looking forward to, uh, to another episode of Try It By It coming soon. Uh, that's pretty exciting. So you know what's funny? I, I do this show every yeah. single week, and I feel super comfortable. As soon as I get in front of the camera for Try It By It, I'm super nervous. So, oh, really? What, what's the difference? Isn't that funny? I don't know. Maybe there is there is no, like, I can't justify a difference. Like, there is no, I can't explain it. It's just different. Here I'm comfortable. Maybe it's no support from the, tor- the chat room, you know, because here oh, it's yes. live. And yeah. the chat room and I, you know, connect. That might be it. That might be it. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. I do apologize that uh, we, we do seem to be having some feed issues with some of our live feeds. So those of you who are watching live on Roku or try, trying to, I guess, so you're probably watching in the, uh, <laughs> in the, in the live view. Um, and also our new Kodi plugin, our new Plex plugin. These things are all uh, in development, but also there have been some changes on our servers over the past week. And uh, we are doing our absolute best to stay on top of um, the, the changes and the number of distribution platforms that we have to uh, account for. So, um, so I'm making lists. Um, if you have any further trouble, uh, please let me know. I do apologize that tonight, unfortunately, it looks like we are not going to be available on those platforms. However, uh, please let the chat room know, those of you who are, are able to see this right now, just uh, to go to live.cat5.tv. That's the place to catch us tonight live. And, of course, On Demand, you can catch us a- at any of those places because On Demand is working just fine. So, Thanks, everybody. Okay, so tonight we're, we've got a lot of different stuff to cover. Um, first of all, uh, our feature tonight is we're going to be looking at this uh, Anchor uh, external um, chassis. It's an enclosure for uh, 2.5-inch hard drives. We're going to look at that, how to set that up. So if you've ever wondered about, you know, what can I do with my old laptop? It's got some files on it. I can't access it. Now, it, it seems like an appropriate feature to have because our laptop, in fact, died. So the laptop itself, I don't know if I can fire this up and show you what the symptom is. Uh, maybe our, our upper view will, will give you a bit of a better view than previously. Um, the screen... Oh, yeah, and it's going to reflect all the lights, but that's all we get. It's just nothing but lines, 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 lines. And so the screen is, is in fact, poached, and unfortunately, it's, it's cheaper to replace than to fix at this point. So with this laptop, of course, it's got a lot of data on it um, that, you know, it, it, we're fortunate because we have backups of everything and all that, but... A home user, this might be your main laptop. This may have everything on it, all your personal files and things. And you may have backups. They may be a little bit outdated. Um, but there's some hardware in here that still works. And even though the screen is busted, it would be nice to be able to utilize some of that old hardware and not actually just e-waste the whole thing because there's some good gear in here. What's fun about tonight's features, we're going to get to see the inside of this just a little bit so that we can see uh, how, we can, how we can go about this. So if we're ready, Sasha... We are ready. Shall I? Okay, so let's... Now, I've got this great top view here, thanks to our supporters on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash category5, or just go to patreon.com, do a search for Category 5 Technology TV, and you'll be able to support us that way. Uh, It's thanks to you that we're uh, able to do this kind of stuff. So from our new uh, upper cam up here, which I can move around and zoom in and out and everything, uh, let's flip this over and get a look. Okay, so on the bottom of this laptop, you see a, a handful of different 
areas here. First of all, uh, there's the battery release. And this is quite important. We want to make sure that we don't actually have any power going to our computer at the time that we're working here internally because we don't want to be zapping any components or damaging anything that way. So there's a couple of different things to note. Um, different screws do different things. So you see this one here has a little uh, CD icon. Yours may be different, but it, it means that if I remove that screw, it's in fact going to eject the CD-ROM drive or the unit itself. What I want to do is I want to get into the hard drive uh, area. This particular laptop doesn't have a specific uh, laptop area, it looks like. Um, some computers will have just a little compartment and that's the hard drive. Um, you want to look for one that has a little hard drive icon just like this or in our case we're just going to start removing the screws from the bottom here. And you'll note, just make note of where the screws are. Um, you can see that you know these ones are for keyboard and all these are kind of chassis to, to remove the motherboard. This is actually a plate and what we want to do is just remove that plate. We don't need to get into uh, the whole thing so you can just kind of feel that see where the next screw is which is right there wouldn't you know <laughs> Sasha <laughs> what do you do when your well, screwdriver doesn't reach all the way down in there oh no oh no Anybody have a Phillips do you, screwdriver? do you still have that screwdriver from yes or from last week when we took apart the raspberry or started putting together the raspberry pi it was kind of uh all it was tiny yeah, that was right? this. That was this. It was that? It's the depth. Oh, no. way. No, no way. Uh-oh. Step one, folks. <laughs> Ensure that your screwdriver is capable of going into the... Uh, Here let's see we what I can come up with. Oh. Right. <laughs> That's step one, all right? Oh, you have something. I might. Let's oh, hope. Oh, Robbie. Got this old bad boy. Okay. Geeks always have random screwdrivers kicking around. Okay. Yes. Yes. Victory. I was at the um, I was at a computer shop just yeah. you know browsing the same one we did the nerdy video over Canada at, computers. Over Canada computers. Yeah, nice. And I saw that they have like computer toolkits. So maybe that should end up being your Christmas <laughs> for here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I got my crazy pencil cup. Perfect. And it's got random little tidbits of little things in there, and so we're doing okay. All right. Okay, so I can feel here that uh, that looks like the last screw. There we go. Okay, let's pull that out. Don't lose any of those because we're going to have to put it back together. Okay, let's look at the internal components here and see what, uh, what have we got. This fan-looking thing is a fan. This is the uh, central processing unit and math coprocessor cooler. So here's the CPU. You've heard the word CPU. Central processing unit. This is the Intel or AMD chip. The coprocessor over here, graphics. It could be the GPU as well. Um, but uh, this copper pipe draws the heat to the fan, and the fan blows the heat out the side so that it cools these things while keeping a low profile. This is the memory here. So these are the memory sticks for your computer. If you ever find that your computer's running super slow, it could be that you need more RAM. Um, that's the memory, the temporary, not the storage. This is the temporary RAM for your computer. And it's just a little chip that goes in like that. And you can upgrade these uh, just by purchasing new chips like that. So that's one of those things that you could upgrade yourself by simply buying the parts. Make sure you know which 
type your computer is compatible with because it's different for each laptop. There are specifications, but uh, different ones will have different types of RAM and different interfaces. But that is one of the things that you can upgrade on a laptop. This one, I notice that with this MSI laptop, kind of cool, I can see that with three screws here and a couple screws here, I could, in fact, remove the central processing unit. That's fairly uncommon for a laptop a lot of times, and I apologize for the glare, but uh, a lot of times central processing units are soldered right onto the board. This one, it is actually removable, and we could, with a single screw, um, loosen that up and remove that and replace it with something faster. That's kind of cool. Uh, beyond that, here's my wireless adapter. This is what gives me wireless connectivity here, and you'll see that that goes out to two antennae, and they go out to the computer, and they usually go along the side of the monitor so that uh, you get a better signal. Uh, various different components. This is a battery that keeps the memory uh, for your central uh, your your CMOS. So things like the date. Uh, those are stored by using this battery so that even if you don't have power in the computer, your computer doesn't forget the date. So that's another thing that sometimes your computer will stop working or the date keeps falling behind or something like that, and you don't realize it's this little battery that you can actually quite often pick up at a dollar store or something like that. It's just the little CR2032 in this case, and that just pops out. It's like a coin, and uh, you can replace that very, very easily just by popping it out. I don't know if I want to... Do that. There we go. Boom. There you go. So it's just like that. It's just a coin, and you just replace that like that. So if you ever have a problem with that, it's as easy as that to replace. Um, so then moving along to our main feature tonight, we've got a, a nice little solid-state hard drive here. And this hard drive is what stores all of my data. So this is my files, my operating system, the pictures that I've saved to my computer, everything is stored on this component here. Now this is a solid state drive, um, some computers will have a, a standard spinning drive, whatever it is, it's usually the same form factor, it's 2.5 inches. And the key thing that you want to make note of is what kind of interface it has. If you get onto uh, your favorite search engine, do an image search, and you'll be able to find uh, there are two main interfaces that you're going to find. There's one called SATA. That's what we're dealing with here tonight, and that is much more um, current than, say, IDE. So you can do a search for 2.5-inch IDE and 2.5-inch SATA. Those are the two interfaces that you're most likely to encounter. And by comparing images of the interface, you'll know what kind of hard drive you have. Uh, essentially, okay, let's pull mine out. So I've removed two screws, and then it's usually just a little pull to get it off of the back plane here, right there. You don't want to lift up because it's actually kind of clipped into that motherboard there. So you lift up just a little bit. You can see a little tab here and pull. And we've done that w very gently and haven't caused any damage to the hard drive. So with this, I can see that this is serial ATA, or SATA as I've called it. So we've got the power is here, and this is the data here. And so when we want to put this in an external chassis, or if we want to move this into another computer, we need to make sure that that chassis or that computer also has serial ATA as its interface for the internal component. Not to be mistaken, we're going to be looking at ESATA, which is external serial ATA tonight. Not to be mistaken for that, because you can have uh, ESATA devices, which I, I don't know if, you, if they do or not, but 
this is the internal interface, the hard drive itself that we're looking at right now. Okay, so this has a little um, kind of an adapter which makes this fit into my chassis so that it doesn't rattle around inside of my laptop. So I'm going to remove that adapter just with a couple of screws because the hard drive itself doesn't actually have this bit. And if you have any questions tonight, Sasha is in the chat room there. Um, Tally Forever is also in the chat room, and they're both here in the studio with me and uh, would be happy to pass along any questions or comments that you have. So that just comes off just like that, and I can screw that back into the, uh, the chassis. I'm not going to do that right now because of, you know, kind of keeping up with time. I, I have a question, Robbie. Yeah. So if you had a problem you could like take your laptop apart and just replace that hard drive say there was a problem could, would there be yeah. a problem yeah you could yeah just... hard drive is one of the more likely uh pieces i guess i should be looking down here oh, yeah. <laughs> um the the uh hard drive is one of the more likely pieces to fail in your computer okay. uh because it um and i am looking at you by the way sasha She's down there. I should move you around. I love Telestream Wirecast and all the things that we can do. Can I just can I bring you over here? Can you can you bring can me I? over there? Yeah, I'm gonna. Do just, you have me? This is important to me. Okay. If we're gonna be goofy with the camera shots, we're gonna do it right. Okay. Okay. Now I can look at you. And, okay. And look at you. Okay. So the hard drive being one of the the main um, components that that is always being accessed. So in a case like this, this is a solid state hard drive. It's probably less likely to fail, I would say, than a spinning hard drive. Okay. And the reason for that, even though these are prone to failure as well, they're flash media. However, your spinning hard drive, so think of a record needle running across, yes. it's kind of like that, but it's magnetic. Okay. So you've got this device that's always moving and what do people do with their laptop? They lay on their bed. Yes. They drop it sometimes, worst case scenario, they move it while it's on and when it's on that thing is spinning at 5400 rotations per minute or as much as 7200 rotations per minute and there's a little needle or a head in this mm -hmm. case is what it's called it, that's moving across that platter okay. and it's extremely sensitive so if i move my laptop and it's on and then i set it down and i'm just ever so slightly rough with it i'm likely going to cause damage to the platter of that hard drive. So some hard drives have that? Or some Those laptops have that? Hard okay. So when you're buying a laptop yes. and it says SSD, there's, there's a tough thing is that sometimes when you're buying a laptop, you look at it and you say, oh, well, that one has only a 160 gig hard drive. That one has a one terabyte hard drive. Right. So you're buying based on the capacity of the drive, not the type of drive that it is okay ssds are much smaller this solid state drive here is 128 gigabytes right. versus a spinning drive can be three terabytes easily so it's a lot smaller capacity wise but i store all my stuff elsewhere anyways because i don't right. want it on the laptop so, i want it somewhere safe so that's more rugged so if i was buying a laptop for somebody who was active or yeah or not so careful with their stuff think teenagers not so. that there's anything wrong with teenagers but i'm thinking about you parents who have kids going back to school or possibly starting at college or university uh solid state is much more um robust and much Thank more you. um solid uh, solid state solid so, it's much more solid less 30. likely you can see me flapping this around it's it's solid state which means there are no moving parts the pieces inside of this are chips instead of right. moving parts so it is much more uh, much more safe when it comes to shock 
and things like that. Okay. All right. So, yes, back to your original question. That is one of the most likely components to fail. However, it's very easy to replace, but you have to keep in mind that it's the operating system. So if it fails, Mm -hmm. you you could potentially lose all the files that you've ever accumulated. So that's why backups are important. Yes, backup. Yeah. Uh, But also... Uh, you lose the operating system, be it Windows 10, be it Linux, whatever it is that you're running, is on this media. So if you buy a new hard drive, you can't just put it in and expect that it's going to turn on because there's nothing on it. Right. No operating system. You can't turn it on. So you remember back when you got your new laptop and what did we do? We put Linux on it. Yes. That was one of the first things that we did. Now you're operating with that and that's your operating system. So you do have to keep in mind, if you replace that component, you have to also replace the operating system. Okay. Okay. Thank so you. that's that's that piece. Um, I think that's a fairly good overview of what we're looking at here. This is the motherboard of your computer, the laptop. And generally speaking, laptops are much less um, upgradable than a desktop computer because of the components. Like, look at the the cooling system i couldn't put a liquid cooling system in here or anything like that or upgrade my my graphics card for example it's just not possible Um, so you are fairly limited you want to make sure that you're getting something that meets your needs right out the gate because um, you're going to be stuck with it for as long as the life of the the system okay so we've got the hard drive out of that system and sorry sasha you have a question i have a question from dennis kelly he's asking whether or not you should be worried about electrical static yeah. When you're working with your laptop. Sure you should. Uh, whenever you're working with electrical, uh, electrostatically sensitive devices, it's important to, uh, to ground yourself. Um, I ground myself here. Uh, I've got um, components around me that, when I, like, it, that I'm grounded. Um, and in this case, I'm, I'm not overly cautious because I'm not, not really doing a whole lot with this. But so if I was at home doing this, how would yeah. I know I was grounded? How would you know? Um, Okay, easy way is to find a computer that has no paint on the back. So it's just aluminum or whatever, you oh, like okay. a metal steel chassis. Okay. And if, as long as it's plugged into the wall, you touch that. Okay. And it will ground you because it is a grounded component and the non-painted surface is going to allow any electrostatic to go out of you. Okay. That's how you can do it without having to buy any special mats. Like right, and then I just don't move after that. Like, I just, like, no, I no, touch no. that. And well, then I mean, you're not going to build up a huge static charge unless, it, you know, maybe in the middle of the winter when you're walking yeah. across shag carpet or something. That's a little different. But realistically. Don't, um, like, stick balloons to walls. Yeah, and that's then not sit a down. good practice. <laughs> hey, kids, I'm fixing this computer. Watch what I can do. <laughs> yeah, don't don't go doing that. Sash. Or just shave my head. Does that help? Having I, no hair? I don't know. Does that help with electrostatic? I don't know. It's certainly worth a try. <laughs> Yeah, Sorry, so grounding yourself will make sure that you're not zapping the components. And that is quite important. Components are not as sens- sensitive to that these days as they were, say, 15, 20 years ago. Def- definitely is true. Uh, but uh, all right, let's take a look. So this is the Anchor hard drive enclosure. Uh, I'm going to tell you why this was chosen. There's a couple of nice things about this. And you can check it out at cat5.tv external. I got it right cat5.tv slash external. This one is kind of special because it has USB 3 as well as, I mentioned it earlier, ESATA. So we're going to look at those two components, why those two things are important uh, right after the news. Uh, We're going to take a quick 
jaunt over to the newsroom, Sasha, and then we're going to pick it up where we left off. We're going to take that hard drive from our laptop. We're going to turn this into an external hard drive in just a couple minutes. Over to the newsroom, Sasha. It's Tuesday, September 1st, 2015, and here are the stories we're covering this week. Many companies are working to develop high-powered lasers for military use, and Boeing has now succeeded in shooting down a drone using a portable laser unit. Facebook needs to step up their piracy protection if they intend to take on video sharing sites like YouTube. Cisco has bought out OpenDNS. A recent exploit in Tor has resulted in one dark market website shutting down operations temporarily. And the fight continues to determine whether electromagnetic radiation from gadgets is bad for our health. And one woman has won a disability grant because of her claims. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. You've got mad skills. Now hone them. Learn new skills or improve your existing ones with online video tutorials and training from lynda.com through our special link at cat5.tv slash lynda. Learn software, technology, creative, and business skills you can use today to help you achieve your professional goals. Join today and start learning. We'll give you this chance to try it absolutely free with unlimited access to all of the courses. Sign up now for free, cat5.tv slash linda. I'm Sasha Dermatis, and here are the top stories from the Category5.tv newsroom. Boeing has successfully shot a drone out of the sky using high-powered laser. The device was able to track and damage a free-flying drone during the trial in California. Boeing is one of many companies working to develop high-powered lasers that can be used in military or defense scenarios. And the company says its new device is the most portable yet and can be collapsed into four parts light enough to carry. So that's pretty interesting. I guess we definitely need defenses against drones. I don't know that we need high-powered... Not high my powered. drones. We don't... <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that they've had drones flying around airports lately that have been of concern. So that's drone true. versus plane, bad, right? So yeah. I don't know. I, I get a little worried that there are these high-powered lasers out there, and then maybe Boeing has them right now, but who else might end up with them? Scary yeah, a little, little scary for sure. But That's kind of the invisible weapon system, right? I know. It's, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel. <laughs> but congratulations, Boeing. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite the feat. <laughs> Good for you. Okay. Facebook has announced measures to tackle video piracy on its website. The company said new video matching technology would alert selected content creators if their videos were reposted to Facebook without permission. Facebook has been trying to grow its video business and in July it announced plans to share advertising revenue with content creators for the first time. But the company has been criticized by prominent video creators for failing to tackle video piracy. In June, research by advertising agency Ogilvy found that a whopping 73% of the most popular videos on Facebook had been ripped from other websites. That's a lot. That is a huge That is huge. Um, Announcing its new approach, Facebook said, Our matching tool will evaluate millions of video uploads quickly and accurately, and when matches are surfaced, publishers will be able to report them to us for removal. The new tool will be available to a small group of partners while the company improves the technology. So 
if I steal a kitten video from a website and then post it on Facebook and then it gets a lot of views, I won't get the money. That's what is happening. Because now Facebook is doing what YouTube is doing with revenue. The problem is, yeah, they're trying to push revenue to content creators and providers because I don't want to post my videos on Facebook because it costs us money to do that. They're not paying us. So they're saying, okay, we need to start pulling a YouTube here and in order to attract content we have to start paying providers so if i post my cat video which is awesome by the way you've got to see it uh and then you download it and then you post it on your wall instead of just sharing my post then who do they know how who to pay who's the creator of that was it you who uploaded it or was it me that uploaded it first there's it's kind of impossible for them to really know so content IDs and things will help them to be able to track down who was the actual creator of that video. Mm-hmm. Wow. I still, I like watching my videos on YouTube, I'll say. YouTube is, is king, it, for sure. It's kind of cool. Okay. In business news, Cisco has announced that it has completed the acquisition of OpenDNS, a privately held company that provides advanced threat protection. The acquisition will advance Cisco's security everywhere approach by adding broad visibility, enforcement, and threat intelligence from the OpenDNS cloud-delivered platform. In addition to the close of the acquisition, Cisco is announcing the first technology integration of Cisco AMP threat grid with OpenDNS services. OpenDNS employees joined the Cisco Security Business Group. The founder and CEO of OpenDNS becomes vice president. Kind of cool. Under the terms of the agreement, Cisco paid $635 million in cash and assumed equity awards, plus retention-based incentives for OpenDNS. So, there we go. A dark market website that relies on the Tor privacy network to keep its operators anonymous is temporarily shutting down amid concerns attackers are exploiting a newly reported weakness that can identify server locations. Oy. The technique requires the adversary to control the Tor entry point for the server hosting the hidden service. Okay. It also requires the attacker to have previously collected unique network characteristics that can serve as fin- a fingerprint for that particular service. Still, once that bar is met, the attack has an 88% accuracy rate. Hidden services are sites that are accessible only from within the Tor, which conceals IP addresses of servers and users. Tor project officials have downplayed the novelty of the new attack method and could and the likelihood that it could be carried out in practice. However, considering the suspension will presumably cost them money while the site is out of operation, it does stand to reason that the site operators are convinced that their service is being actively exploited. Hmm. So, this is this is good though. This is this is a sort of situation where <laughs> they know that there is a breach, right? So they're shutting down. Sure. I, I think it's a of a hard kind of gray area because they're obviously dealing in illicit material and things that perhaps are not legal and and you know so we're not going into too many details about who they are or what they do but the fact is tor is an open system developed to provide anonymity privacy protection from uh third parties who would um 
steal your information, your private information. And, and we know that that's a problem in some areas of the world. <laughs> and um, so Tor being there as a service to provide some assurance that you've got privacy and then finding that, okay, there's actually exploits that allow governments, say, for example, for example, to <laughs> get around the fact that you are using what is supposed to be protecting you. Thank you for that awesome explanation. <laughs> a French woman has won a disability grant after telling a court she suffers from an allergy to electric ma- electrical. Wow, I said this <laughs> properly earlier. Suffers from an allergy to electromagnetic radiation from gadgets. Wow. Yes. Marine Richard, who is 39, was told she may claim 800 pounds per month for three years as a result. This is not claiming her weight. This is claiming. This is a currency, folks. Wowzers. She said that it was a breakthrough for people affected by electromagnetic hypersensitivity, also known as EHS. I cannot even imagine how horrible this would be. Yeah. The condition is recognized by the World Health Organization, though it says the causes are unclear. Well, I would think that it would be electrical magnetic. (laughs) Causes. I'll tell you what. It's probably <laughs> electromagnetic radiation that's causing you to be hypersensitive to electromagnetic radiation. Ms. Richards oh has resorted to living in a remote area in the mountains of southwest France in a barn that has no electricity. Sounds She's, fantastic. Yeah, I know. It really Today, does. <laughs> to, she says she has been affected by everyday gadgets such as phones. Now, I wonder if she's affected by landlines as well as cell phones or whether or not it's just the things that cause the radiation. There is like, such a small amount of EMF from a landline phone, but a portable phone with a, a wireless hand receiver. Right. That would cause EMF for sure. Right. Well, there could be people who are sensitive, and then she could be the equivalent to anaphylactic with, like, peanuts, but with radiation. Right? She's, like, super, super sensitive. She's triggered I would guess when... you'd have to be to be awarded like that in the courts, for sure. She should definitely not try those headphones that I just fell in love with. Oh, yes. Right. <laughs> Typical symptoms reported by those who say they suffer from EHS include headaches, fatigue, nausea, and palpitations. The disability allowance was granted by a court in Toulouse, although the ruling did not formally recognize EHS as an illness. Meanwhile, in the U.S., the parents of a 12-year-old boy with EHS have decided to file a lawsuit against his school. They say their son began suffering headaches, nosebleeds, and nausea after the Faye School installed new Wi-Fi in 2013. However, a firm hired to ask... Assess the electromagnetic radiation at the school found that the combined levels of access point emissions, broadcast radio and television signals, and other radio frequency emissions on campus comply with the federal and state safety limits. Maybe not, though, if you're ultra-sensitive. In the UK, electromagnetic hypersensitivity is not a recognized condition. That's because the Public Health Public Health England says there is no scientific evidence that electromagnetic fields damage people's health. It's probably because there's no real way for them to measure it because every time they come near a person with any of their gadgets, those people are sick. Hmm. The WHO agrees and believes more research on long-term health effects needs to be done. I, you know... I think for most people there isn't a problem, but I mean you sure. hear you hear lots of cases say when there's those big wind turbines 
causing headaches for people. Like they're do they now? Yeah, I mean, people say though that if they live on the side of the street where there is the the wires overhead, that it's yes. right. Like there's a lot. Yeah, of for gl- sure. Radio towers and things like yeah. that are definitely a concern. Uh, I'd be interested to know what your viewers, you know, do do any of you have uh, hypersensitivity in any way to cellular radiation or um, being too close to electro- electronic gadgets, for example. Um, it's it's a tough thing, I think, from a legality standpoint and from a medical standpoint, because there is a lot of there's a lack of true unbiased research that goes into these kinds of technologies. Right. A lot of it is funded by the very companies that are selling you the products. So you've got uh, cellular phone companies doing the research that says X kinds of radiation are considered safe or well within the normal limit limits of mm-hmm. what our bodies can withstand. But we know that radiation is such that with prolonged exposure to it, whatever kind of radiation it is, it can cause damage. You know what? I don't even know how I would even gauge like cause and effect for that because I'm so surrounded all the time, right? How would I ever know if I had a headache that it was caused by a gadget I was holding? I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't, right? Yeah. I would just think, oh, I've, I suffer from the occasional headache. Until you go away and you come back, you know, if you're away for uh, a week on mm-hmm. a vacation where there aren't these things, and then you come back and realize, oh my goodness, I was feeling so much better there. It's a very interesting news story. I'm interested to see how it develops. Mm. Big thanks this week to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us. If you have found a news story that you would like to send, email it to newsroom at category5.tv. For all your tech news with a slight Linux bias, visit the category5.tv newsroom at newsroom.category5.tv. For the category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Dermatis. Thanks, Sasha. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. Hey, if uh, you've been enjoying the show, please head on over to our Patreon profile. Go to patreon.com and do a search for Category 5. And we appreciate your support. It helps us to do what we do. And it helps us to provide our service absolutely free. And by supporting us through Patreon, the cool thing is that you can, say, give us 25 cents every time we do the show. And, and that is a way that for virtually free, you'd be supporting Category 5 TV and all that we do here. So thank you to those who are supporting us through that platform. Of course, we do also have PayPal and all those other ways that you can support us. And uh, and also make purchases through our affiliate links, our partners. You can find those on our website, Category5.tv. Click on Support Us for more details. Okay, so moving along with our feature tonight, we've got this... Can I oh, can yeah. I go back in time to the beginning when you took that coin battery out of the laptop? Because I have, Why, yes. Okay, let's just rewind for a second. Um, Leland had said that we might want to mention the BIOS password hard reset by shorting or removing that coin battery. So is that a is well? That a when thing? you remove that battery, as Leland is saying, now when I removed that battery, I basically most likely i mean it depends on how much of a charge there was in the on the motherboard but basically you're you're removing power from the the cmos so it loses all settings it forgets the time it forgets what hard drives you have installed it forgets your password it resets back to factory defaults basically um, unless you know some systems may have a uh, a chip that will store that data 
uh, indefinitely. And with some, yeah, there are ways to short and stuff. We're not going to get into that tonight, but interesting point that, yeah, by doing that, I, if I tried to turn on that computer, even if it worked, now it wouldn't, it wouldn't recognize my hard drive. It wouldn't, I'd have to go back into the BIOS and reconfigure all those things, change my boot order, all that uh, kind of stuff. Gives your so. laptop immediate amnesia. Exactly. <laughs> and it doesn't lose the data. It just makes it so that it's inaccessible until you reconfigure, especially if you've got a RAID where you've got multiple drives or if it's configured as a RAID and then resetting the BIOS now set it to AHCI, which makes sense to some of us and maybe not to others. And that's cool. But it changes the settings on how your drive is communicated with. So now it can't read a RAID drive because it's defaulted back to AHCI. So that's okay. just a setting in the BIOS that you would have to configure. So. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so with the Anchor external enclosure, okay, I mentioned earlier that one of the nice things about this is it has USB 3.0, which is backward compatible to 1 and 2 uh, as well. But it's nice and fast, uh, but it also has the eSATA. So that's basically an external SATA hard drive port. So it's as fast as your internal SATA, but it's external. So you can take this, and that gives us, because it's USB and eSATA, Kind of nice because you can plug it into a computer that only has USB and it can be any USB, but if it has USB 3, it's going to be nice and fast. USB 2 is going to be kind of slow, like 500, almost 500 megabits a second, but USB 1 would be dreadful slow, but at least you can use it. It's going to be accessible. Then with ESATA, you get the full 3 gigabits a second and uh, super, super fast. Uh, And same with USB 3, you're going to get up to 5 gigabits a second. So that's pretty awesome. So it gives us, because it's got both, it gives us the best of both worlds. And it gives us a very universal device so that we can can use this on any computer. Okay. And, of course, it'll work on Mac, Windows, Linux, etc. So as you can see, this is an unboxing as much as anything else. Uh, it's never been opened, so let's get a look at this. Oh, oh there it is. Cat5.tv slash external. Let's do what it says here and push. And there we go. This is kind of nice. It's got a back a back, pa- back plane in there. I don't know if you guys... Oh, this is tough. Can you see the back plane there? So the drive is going to simply insert into... This is kind of a nice way to do it. Just right in there. And then this closes down, locks it into the back plane. There we go. So that's literally with this particular one, that's all there is to it. It looks like it's uh, it's toolless, completely toolless. <laughs> Look at that. That's all that's in the box. <laughs> Which is good because you're also without tools, right? I'm Yeah, I'm sorely <laughs> lacking tools here, Sasha. Uh, what have we got in the box? Okay, we've got a protective film, which is kind of nice. This protective film is for a uh, hard drive, which may have... Now, my SATA hard drive most likely does not. Um, oh, that's beautiful. Right, see see the bottom of my drive? It's plastic. So a uh, spinning hard drive... I don't think I have one here to show you, unfortunately, but your spinning hard drive may have some metal components, a circuit board, a PCB, and this is a protective film that you can stick on on top of your PCB to protect it so it doesn't get shorted out in the metal case, okay? A little bit of information there. And you'll notice that it comes with an ESATA cable. That's brilliant. These can actually, for a shielded cable, can be quite expensive. Uh, This is just a a standard kind of short cable, but it's going to do the job anyways. Nice to have in your kit. ESATA, 3 gigabits a second. And then here, we've got the USB 3. 
And you'll notice something interesting about this cable. Okay, so it's got the USB 3 on this end, and then it's got two USB plugs on this end. Well, why is that? I'm only plugging in one hard drive. Any guesses, Sasha? Uh, no, 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 no guesses? guesses at all. All right, you want to know? I do want to know. All right. Do you want to know? All right. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure that's a song. What, what is now? Well, one of the things, what do you notice? Okay, a hard drive is 5 volts power. Right. Requires 5 volts in order to operate. Correct. Where's the power cable for this? The, you'll notice there's no separate external power cable that I have to plug in and it doesn't have a big transformer or anything. So this cable here mm -hmm. is a nice special cable, which is backward compatible because of the second uh, plug here. So this plugs into the hard drive chassis. This one with the blue, that provides the data. And then this one with the white provides the power. So what you want to do is when you plug this in, you want to plug these two into the computer first so that you've got data and power ready to go, and then plug this end into the hard drive. So let's, let's actually set this up, Sasha. This is kind of nice. I'm going to show you this again. So I'm going to plug my hard drive in here. This kind of makes it more like a docking bay solution as well. It's not just a, an external chassis because I can, I can easily swap drives in and out. So this drive is now ready to go. So if I want to use USB, I'm going to plug these two into my computer first. Then, now if I've got a spinning hard drive, now I've got a, a, an, SAT, uh, an SSD hard drive here, so it doesn't matter if I move it around while it's on, it's okay. So I can just, in my hand, I can plug this in, and it's going to simply power up. It's going to detect as, an, as a new external hard drive, and I'm good to go. If you have a spinning hard drive, what was it I mentioned? You don't want to jostle it while it's powered on because it's spinning, right? So you'd want to set it down on a nice firm surface, then plug in the cable, make sure that it's not moving, and then... Do not touch Let it, it work, yeah, and don't bump it while it's running because it's very susceptible to movement. And then when you're done, you would dismount the drive as normal on your machine, so that would be right-clicking on it, usually an eject or something like that. In Windows 10, you click on the icon down in the bottom right, and then you choose the device to eject. And on Linux, it's very similar as well. Um, so that's all there is to it. Now with ESATA, you'll notice, okay, we've got the ESATA cable, but ESATA does not carry power. So what do we do in a case like that? We've got our 3 gigabit SATA cable, which can go into the back of a compatible computer. But then there's no power, so it's not actually going to spin up. So what we actually do is we plug in that USB cable as well, and we plug in the white cable to the computer's USB. And that's going to now give the drive power. But again, we've been able to do that without needing a separate power unit. So that's pretty, that's pretty smart. Um, regardless, I mean, you could even plug in both of these, and, and that's fine. Uh, if you've got ESATA plugged in, it's going to default to ESATA, and the USB will simply be power. Then going back to this chassis here, I want to show you the ejection mechanism. So I'm going to push in, slide over, and watch this drive as I open it up. Pops right out, just like butter. It's like a, a toaster. I think that's their, their inspiration. So there you have it, cat5.tv slash external. You'll be able to take that old hard drive. Now I can copy my files off of it. I'll see the whole file system when I plug it into my computer. I could actually boot from this no. and use it as a second operating system that I can boot from, play games. Say I put Windows on it and put all my games on here, for example. That's right? so cool. And then you can boot it up and use that, and it's volatile. So you can save to it. 
It's a hard drive. It's not like a, a drive where you can't save what you're doing, like a CD or something like that. So right. That's all there is to it. They're not expensive. Head on over to cat5.tv slash external and check it out. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson. I hey, am. Sasha. I can bring you... Sasha Duranis, and I've been... Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now, did you, did you drag me over to the extra chair? I didn't. Should I... Uh, can you... Do we have time for that? That's hilarious. It's kind of neat. Unfortunately, because we're zoomed in on me uh, on it's the camera, not and we work don't have out. a camera operator tonight, I can't, uh, I can't really do that. Okay, well, we'll have to show everybody at some point. That would be pretty neat. We'll, we'll do a demonstration, maybe on the show show, which incidentally is starting this weekend. This weekend? This weekend is the, is the show show. So very, very excited about that. Um, and everyone who's been looking forward to uh, being a part of the show show, that's going to be starting this weekend. So very keen to release that for you. So the show show, try it, buy it. Yep. New every day. New every day is every single week. Yeah. Strange for the name, I know. New every day. New every day, every, every week. week. Uh, and Category 5 Technology TV, of course, every week. I was speaking with, uh, with Military Bruce from MilitaryBruce.com, and we are working on bringing Canadian military base history to Category 5 TV as well. That's something that is in the works. It's probably going to be first quarter 2016, maybe second quarter, but uh, if you're interested in military base history, uh, that's something that we're going to be bringing you as well, and I hope Canadian that's Canadian military-based Yes. Yeah, pr- primarily. I mean, we'll travel around as well, but uh, Bruce's uh, expertise is here in Canada. Right. Mm-hmm. That would be great. I'll watch that for I sure. I think that'll be fun. Okay, do we have time for some questions here, Sasha? Can I bring up a couple of questions? Yeah, please do. And you, you've got uh, chat room on your phone. There, I've got so chat room here. That's cool. Okay, I've got a uh, question here from Dave D. And Dave, thank you for taking the time to write us. Dave says, I saw episode 337, that's move your Linux home folder to another drive and why you'd want to. You remember when we did that, Sasha? Yeah. Um, First off, wants to say thank you for posting this. Without a doubt, it was the easiest and most thorough explanation I have found. Yes! We were specifically going for easy and most thorough. That's why I was on there. I was like, explain it to me like I'm three. (laughs) (laughs) they know our formula now sasha (laughs) when it's about a beginner you know explanation okay sasha's show yeah here i'm gonna i'm gonna see what i can do here to i know i can't i can't really like bring you on to my set but let's see if we can do a little something something why don't we just bring you onto my set in the because i don't have a green screen behind me my friend i know oh okay that's that's cool as that would be i can move myself around though so that i can do stuff like gotcha can i do could i do that um there when you're doing that i have a question from good guy 98 does the old cmos save restore program still work properly what is that save restore programs cmos cmos yeah but restore programs still work properly restore programs in the cmos I'm not familiar with that setting um, in, the, in a CMOS. Sorry, you'll have to... Uh, Continue with your question. Yeah, yeah. Let's sorry, see. buddy. I'm not sure. Um, and I don't want to get sidetracked from Dave's oh, question sorry. here either. So. Oh, oops, sorry. sorry. Oh, yeah, I know. I, I already... <laughs> you're here with me now, so... Um, right. <laughs> you don't have a desk in front of you, though. We need to fix that. Okay. This is from Dave D., who, who having watched this, says, uh, Like you... 
I held my breath during the final reboot and hoped everything would work out well, and then I didn't screw up my computer. Thankfully, everything worked. That is awesome. Nice one, Dave. Well done. Uh, okay, Dave's question is, while I can see the home folder on Nemo running Mint, uh, it's listed as 451 gigabytes. I move, he says, I moved a f- uh, to a 500 gigabyte external hard drive. Okay, fair enough. If I go into my file system and I open the home folder, I can still see my user folder and all of the user files on there. Why is that? After editing etc. etc. uh, slash fstab, I would think, uh, in the terminal, I used makedir to create the home directory in my internal hard drive, as in the video. Uh, This is referring to episode number 337. Um, I did an ls command, showed that there was nothing in that directory. Anything new that I save does does get saved to a new location, but seeing my user files in the home folder under file system threw me off. I thought the home folder in my internal hard drive would be empty and just used to mount the external hard drive. What gives? It says, forgive my ignorance, I'm a Linux noob. Thanks again from Dave D. Dave, this is what's so cool about the whole process. Mount points in Linux, you won't know the diff, all right? So if I now mount that 500 gig hard drive to my home folder, then I can now CD into that home folder, slash home, and do LS, and I will actually now be looking at the content of the 500 gig hard drive, even though it looks like I'm looking at that. I wonder if there's an easy way for me to to demonstrate that for you. I'm not sure if I can... No, I don't... If I can just explain that... Okay, so easiest thing to do is type mount. Type sudo mount and hit enter. And that's going to show you all your mount points. And you're going to see that slash home is in fact a different hard drive than slash. And therefore you can deduce that um, you're actually looking at that other hard drive when you're browsing your file system. So to you, the structure looks the same, and what's brilliant about it is it's the same, it looks the same for everyone, for all of the, uh, uh, for the, all the software on your computer. So now if I install something and it saves files into slash home slash Robbie or slash home slash Dave D, uh, it's going to be on the 500 gig hard drive, not on my actual internal hard drive, so to speak. So hope that sheds some light on it and uh, appreciate the question very much, Dave. Can I can I do another one? Yeah, you can do another one. Thanks. I'm not I'm not used to having you way over there and and nobody right actually next to me. I can be like bah, 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 bah. Are you actually is is that my face over there that you're punching? No. No? No. You wouldn't. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> She's about I don't know 15 feet away from me, folks. <laughs> All right. Uh Jonathan Chevalier. Jonathan, thanks for the email. Mel says, "How are you?" I would say, "I'm doing pretty good. Thanks." Sasha, Jonathan wants to know how you're doing. I'm doing great. Thank you, Jonathan Chevalier. I like your name. I'm doing great. Jonathan says, uh, I send you this email because I've got an issue uh, to post my, I've actually got a problem posting my on-air question to your website. The page is returning an error when I try with even two email addresses. That's unfortunate. Cat5.tv slash ask should be working just fine. Um, I do receive a fair number of, and I see a lot of questions coming in through that form, so I wonder if maybe just something didn't get 
quite filled in correctly, and so it thought maybe you were a bot or something. I apologize for that. But it seems that you were able to work around that. If, if in doubt, uh, at present, you can email live at category5.tv as a fail-safe. Uh, we always prefer that you use the web form at cat5.tv slash ask, and that's because it, it actually directs you to the right uh, email address here and makes sure that your, your question gets the priority sequence that it should get. If you email live, you're in among uh, thousands of emails and spam emails and all that kind of stuff. So it, it, sometimes it can fall through the cracks that way. So use the form if you can, but if in doubt, you, you did it right. Okay, so moving on to your question here, Jonathan. Robbie, I'd like to ask you, how do you back up an entire Linux system when it's online? Maybe a hot backup solution? Do you advise a tar backup or something else? Anyways, I really appreciate your show. I've learned many things on Linux, hardware, etc. Uh, all the team is cool. And uh, pending your, I'm looking forward to your answer. Many thanks from Jonathan Dans France. So thank you, Jonathan, for taking the time to write us. Uh, okay. You mentioned uh, a hot backup. Of course, that's a great way to do it. There was a program called Hot Copy, and you know that um, we did a, a feature a while back, the ultimate backup solution for Linux. And it was fantastic, but it kind of died off when some of the kernels improved, and then they didn't, they no longer supported the, the modern kernel. So Hot Copy, unfortunately, is kind of looking like a dead project. Um, it's, it's a real shame. I wonder, though, if part of the reason that they have kind of died off is the fact that um, we've got LVM snapshots now. So with LVM, if you, when you're installing your operating system in the first place, if you set it up with LVM, then you can do snapshots. And we don't have time to go through um, how to do that tonight, but it is what you're looking for, I think. So uh, a quick search on the web or send you know do that and then say yeah this looks great can you do a demo pop me another email and we'll do it um lvm snapshots are like a hot copy snapshot they're like a volume shadow copy if you will what it does is it takes a snapshot of your entire file system or file systems and by doing so and it's not a copy okay don't don't uh, maybe it's still good for you to watch the episode about hot copy so you learn the mechanisms. It doesn't make a copy of your file system. What it does is it freezes it. And it says, okay, now what I'm going to do is if you change any files, those are the only things that are going to be written to the hard drive. So if it takes a snapshot, it basically freezes my hard drive in such a way that now if I create a new file called hello.txt, it will now be taking up a little bit more space because hello.txt has been saved. But let's say I edit slash etc slash fs tab. Okay, so my file system table. Neat thing is, it will now save the changes to my actual live hard drive, but my snapshot will still be snapshotted of the original before I made the change. So it's almost, it's like it's frozen in time, but I can continue using my system. Why do I care? Well, if you're running a server environment, You've got a MySQL database up and running. You've got constant connections, people coming back and forth to your server. You don't want to shut it off, turn off MySQL so that you can shut down the server and then do a backup and then boot it back up again. It just doesn't work. So an LVM snapshot will freeze that hard drive, let you back it all up through your normal mechanisms. Uh, you don't necessarily have to back up the operating system. Back up your DPKG table and, and all of the installed applications, a list of that, so, so that you can easily then 
reinstall the same packages on a new fresh install. Uh, back up your slash home folder, back up your slash etc, and anywhere else that's important to you, slash user slash share, for example. Uh, find out where the files reside that are critical to you and back those up from your snapshot. Back up your MySQL folders that contain the data, data files for the database. And you can do that on the fly with the snapshot. So I hope that points you in the right direction. Please let me know how that, uh, how that goes. And uh, I think, Sasha, that that's that. the time that we have. Did we cover most of what we wanted to cover tonight? I think we did. Okay. Covered. Yeah. Cool. Technology has been a little bit fraught with peril over the past you know, couple of weeks, and we're, we're working through, and I appreciate your patience and, uh, and understanding as we figure all that kind of stuff out. We've got a really cool setup here, and we're so pleased to be here in Studio D, and we love uh, having you as a part of our community. I think it's, it's pretty awesome what we're able to do with the space that we have. Yeah. So sometimes we have little glitches here or there, but there are some cool Hi. things happening. We've got stuff like, like this. Sasha Dermatis on the set, but not actually here. Set. I brought her in. Um, we can we can do all kinds of stuff. I can then all of a sudden, you know, there you go. Okay. I don't know where I am now. You're I'm in just, space. I'm in space. I'm in space, oh, okay. yeah. I can do that to you because you've got the, the green behind you. And uh, I guess, do we show so what it actually... let me know where I am. Can I show what it actually looks like? Is that, yeah, absolutely. Is that allowed to, to do? I think that's... Yeah. Okay. I'm allowed to do that? Okay. Just as we end the show... Because people in the chat room are saying, okay, what is this, oh. what is this actually like? So I'm just setting up your shot. There we go. Okay. There she is. Sasha Dermatis over in the newsroom. And Robbie. I'm Robbie Ferguson. It's been so nice to have you here. Sorry, I waved, but Sasha was hogging the screen real estate there. Um, it's been so nice having you here this week, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Next week, Sasha, we've got a really cool feature. We're going to be carrying on with our feature about Raspberry Pi setting up as a music server. I'm really looking forward to that. So great week everybody see you next tuesday Bye. we hope you enjoyed the show category 5 tv broadcasts live from barry ontario canada every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern if you're watching this on demand or through cable tv check out the local show times in your area at category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.